This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every gravy podcast, SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. Big moments in history have shaped what we eat. The Industrial Revolution, the Civil War, and the Great Migration, in which black Southerners quit the Jim Crow South, fled the long arm of white supremacy, and sought better jobs and living conditions in the North and the West and the Midwest. For this episode, Gravy goes up South to the city of Chicago, where African Americans, spurred by the Great Migration, adapted and innovated and developed a specific and peculiar style of barbecue that owes a debt to the South they left and the Midwest they claimed. You're listening to Gravy. 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 Stories of the changing American South told through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Lines, and I'm John T. Edge, your host. Though we tend to talk about barbecue in terms of tradition, barbecue in at least one place, Chicago, is best understood by thinking about change and innovation, about innovation sparked by the movement of rural black southerners to the urban north, about innovation that involves an aquarium but doesn't involve fish. To bring us this story, here's reporter and producer Ambriel Crutchfield. Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood was bustling during the Great Migration, when African Americans left the South to find better opportunities in cities like Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. Generations later, descendants of those migrants only have a taste of what it means to be Southern. Moist rib tips sit over red oak wood for an hour and a half before it's placed on top of saucy fries and bread. Working in the barbecue restaurants and eating in them are how younger generations understand where their grandparents come from. Robert L. Adams is the owner of Honey One Barbecue. He opened the restaurant in 2003 in Chicago's Bucktown neighborhood, which is on the city's north side. The south side of Chicago is known for using the aquarium smoker, so Adams says he decided to move so he could show his expertise in barbecuing. My son kept urging me, why don't we open a restaurant? I didn't know I was going to do all the work, though, <laughs> so I opened it up. Chicago pitmasters have to find a storefront that can hold an average-sized aquarium smoker. Four to six feet wide, eight feet long, and seven feet high. Mike Gebbard is the writer and editor behind Fooditor, a Chicago-based food and drink website. Gebbard says the aquarium smoker is the key to Chicago's distinct barbecue style. What was important about that for the sake of the health inspectors was you could break it all down. You could take the glass out and wash it off. You could take the fire bricks out and clean them out, get all the ashes, get all the grease out. It didn't exactly prevent barbecue places from catching fire on a regular basis, but uh, presumably at least helped in that, in that direction. Um, 
And the result of, but, but you have this, so then you have this glass and steel pit. And what a lot of the early pit masters noticed was it was not just a, uh, a pit, it was basically a display case. And so you have something that I think is fairly uncommon in the rest of the country, which is people would put their pit right in their front window. And you could walk by and see all the merchandise on display, just like a jeweler or anything else, except it was meat all cooking and, and smoke billowing and fire breaking out and all that kind of stuff. So it was used as a sales tool for a lot of those places. And most barbecue places that have that kind of pit put it somewhere that the customers can see it. Back at Honey One Barbecue, Robert Adams rests in a swivel chair that sits between a wall-mounted television and an aquarium pit smoker. Customers can see the meat through large sliding glass windows as it smokes over a wood fire. A water hose runs through a pipe in the wall so the cook can control the fire. Adam's son-in-law chopped up meat as he talks about setting up shop. When I first get here in the morning time, what I basically do is set up a little stuff like the sauce and stuff and plug in everything. And then what I do after that is uh, set the pit up, which is putting cardboard down first, not a lot, just a little. And then uh, lining the wood up in there, the basically the amount of wood that I'm going to use at that particular time. Then I fill the pit up completely with meat, tips, ribs, links, chicken, and then I light it. And then uh, once it once I click the blow on, it'll pull the heat up to the to the wood. Adams has had a lifetime of experience cooking over fire. His grandmother raised him in Arkansas, where she cooked everything over a wood stove. He's had years to hone the skills it takes to cook this way. You have to control the fire. If you don't control the fire, there's a problem. My grandmother used to say all the time when she would cook cakes and pies and stuff like that, cook different dishes in the oven, she would tell me, this, this wood is not hot enough for me, so you got to go out and get me some better wood to, to, to cook what she needed to cook. She could tell right away if it's cooking right. African-American pitmasters used to barbecue in their spare time as a way to make extra cash. Once they decided to open official businesses in the 1950s, owners were required to meet health codes which led to the use of the aquarium smoker on the south side. The aquarium smoker allows pitmasters to cook indoors through Chicago's harsh winters and breezy summers. It was invented by a steel foundry um, or a metal foundry, a metal business that probably did a lot of other kitchen type stuff, made you know, stainless steel countertops for use in a kitchen or things like that. Um, I think that the original guy went out of the business, but one of his workers started Avenue Metal here in Chicago, and the son of that guy runs Avenue Metal to this day. Chicago pitmasters take pride in using the smoker because it requires patience and close attention. Some people cook fast. I don't like to cook fast. Some people's uh, pit will be, you'll see it, it's just red from so much heat. I cook slow. Some people cook it fast throw it on the top rack, and then let it sit there and simmer on I don't like doing that. I like cooking mine slow, and when it get ready, I put it in the warmer to keep it warm. And why do you like to cook it slow? Because I think that's what meat should be done. It should be cooked slow. It, it'll make it tender. If you cook anything too fast, it will get hard on you. Still, Chicago-style aquarium smoker cooks much faster than the traditional southern practice 
of pit smoking whole hogs. We're talking about a few hours, not an all-night affair. I mean, there's really not that much different about the cooking per se. You're just you just have like a big pit and a live fire going. Um, all the glass and steel pits, all the aquarium smokers have a fire hose attached to them. You know, with a uh, a squirter you know, kind of a water gun squirter. So the pit master is constantly keeping the fire under control. It never rages to the point that it would burn all the meat in it. But they do tend to cook pretty high. Um, there's no 12, 14-hour cooks in Chicago barbecue. It tends to be stuff that they could get done in about two hours and thus have available for sale throughout the day. You just keep a steady amount of it uh, going in the in the smoker based on what you expect your customer pattern to be. Pitmasters using the aquarium smoker have more control over how much meat they can cook since they load the smoker based on demand, compared to southern whole hog restaurants that close shop once they sell out for the day. Jim Brunetti is the CEO of Avenue Metal, a Chicago-based company that has been manufacturing aquarium smokers in its west side factory since the 1950s. They, it's, it is a trial and error thing on how fast you want to cook the ribs, how much fuel you want to put in it as far as charcoal. The slower you cook, the better uh, tasting, I believe. Um, so it, it's a trial and error thing, and there's really no controls except for a water hose to cool down the fire. Coming up, what's the future for the aquarium smoker tradition? And will eaters come to recognize Chicago rib tips and fry trays as a regional style comparable to block pit cooked whole hog in the PD of South Carolina? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lodge Cast Iron, a family-owned business in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, has been making cast iron cookware since 1896. Lodge Cast Iron Camp Dutch Ovens are the first choice for campers preparing meals over a fire. Their skillets and griddles are perfect for searing steaks and roasting vegetables at home. And professional chefs from Atlanta to Los Angeles stock their kitchens with Lodge seasoned steel skillets and griddles. No matter what or where you cook, Lodge makes pots, pans, even griddles, just for you. For over 100 years of meals and memories, and for Lodge Cast Iron support of this podcast, we say thanks. And now we return to Honey One barbecue owner Robert L. Adams, who learned how to cook over an open fire from his grandmother in Arkansas. Back at Honey One Barbecue, without rising from Adam's seat to look through the smoker windows, he motions for his son-in-law to hose the fire. Pitmasters sit by the fire for hours, making sure the fire doesn't burn the pounds of meat sitting over the wood. Well, it's totally enclosed, and there's a total separate vent that goes out through the roof for to let out all the smoke. Um, it's just not going into the atmosphere. It stays. It's all the aquarium is basically the glass that you see through. And there's, they're actually sliding windows. And there's an exhaust pipe. 
In Chicago, barbecue storefronts typically have cramped waiting areas that don't allow for in-store dining. Gebert says he can't help but stop at Honey One when he's in the Bronzeville neighborhood. I've been known to, like if I get it with my kids, uh, head over to, I think it's Washington Park where the um, Laredo Taft statue of the Fountain of Time uh, sculpture is. Not least because you can kind of wash off your hands in the fountain after you're done eating. Gebert says little was known about barbecue on Chicago's South Side prior to the 1940s. During that time, the Chicago Defender, an African-American-owned newspaper, documented the migration that lasted from 1916 to 1970. The Defender was known to tell black migrants the quote-unquote northern way to carry themselves. Saw barbecue as, you know, kind of a shameful thing. It's, you know, this trashy thing coming up from down south that, that diminishes the the uh, impression people get of the African-American community. So they weren't going to cover it anyway. So, you know, even if they even if they were sneaking off and eating it on the side, they, they weren't writing about it. Rib tips are trimmed from St. Louis-style ribs and were inexpensive to cook with. Rib tips take two to three hours to cook in an aquarium smoker. Ribs and rib tips done in Chicago tend to be chewier. Uh, they tend to take some work to get them off the bone. It's definitely not a fall-off-the-bone style of barbecue. Um, there was just never a tradition of, like, whole hog barbecue. None of these guys would have bought a whole hog for their regular business because the price per pound would have been much more expensive than the meats they were using. So it never developed and sort of fetishized that idea of, oh, yeah, I've been cooking this all night. By the 1940s, family-owned barbecue joints were thriving and creating jobs on Chicago's south side, but they weren't known much outside of their neighborhoods. Because of racist policies like redlining, Chicago was and is a segregated city. For decades, the north side and the mainstream media hardly knew about south side's barbecue tradition. Michael Gerber explains how that changed. The Southside style really wasn't known outside of those neighborhoods until the late 70s. Leon's Barbecue had a rolling pit made for them by Avenue Metal and took it to a thing called uh, Chicago Fest, which was in Navy Pier. And that was the first time a lot of people had seen it. That was the first time they had tried that style of barbecue. And it was a big hit. And it was the first kind of awareness that this barbecue culture existed at all in the city to a lot of the uh, a lot of the north side a lot of the mainstream media pitmasters and manufacturers of the aquarium smokers face challenges with passing on the family legacy bernetti says the demand for smokers has decreased we sell very few of them now um, i would say if we sell three to six a year. We sell a lot now. For Honey One Barbecue owner Adams, his goal is to pass the business on to family members that will expand the business. My grandfather had one thing in his mind when he was raising me. When you leave here, you'll be a man and you'll know how to work. Kids have to work. You keep them out of trouble. Adams' grandson works full-time as a cashier for the restaurant on the weekends. Cameron says he has learned a lot from watching his granddad work and has big plans for Honeywood's future. I see the future being real good for us, you know, 
make some more locations and maybe one day I can own it one day, you know, and just take over like that. Continuing Chicago's Southside legacy of cooking with the aquarium smoker will be more difficult than any other business. Barbecue restaurant owners face the challenge of teaching younger generations how to cook perfectly moist barbecue over an open fire. And for the makers of the aquarium smoker, the demand just isn't there anymore. But descendants of Robert Adams and Jim Brunetti seem committed to continuing the family and food legacy in Chicago. Ambriel Crutchfield, a recent Western Kentucky University graduate, now learning the ropes at Chicago Public Radio, reported and produced this episode. To see glossy photos of aquarium smokers and to glimpse Robert L. Adams making his Chicago-style barbecue, join us at the SFA website. That's southernfoodways.org. Gravy's theme music is by Wendell Patrick. Donor music is by Jazar. Mary Beth Laster serves as our publisher. And Sarah Camp Milam serves as our managing editor for Gravy and all other SFA content. If you like today's story, check out SFA's 2008 Oral History with James Lemons of Lim's Barbecue on East 75th Street in Chicago. That's at southernfoodways.org. Your generosity helps fund all of our work, including this podcast.